Good morning. Hey, it's good to see you, Fellowship Church. It's good to be back. I know that I was back at Fellowship Church because my watch told me I was exercising during worship. So uh, I'm glad to be back, man. It's good to see all of you. Hey, for some of you who are already members of our church, my name's Kirk Jones. And um, I'm the lead pastor here, and I've never had the opportunity to meet you. Um, but man, I am, uh, I'm grateful for uh, just uh, some time off and some rest. And and man, it is, but I am glad to be back and um, it is good to see you. So today we're kicking off uh, a series called Fellowship. It's not just a name. And some things that, man, we, we really hope and pray all the time are true here and true because that's what God intends them to be true of the church. And so one of the things I was challenged with, I'm doing, I was doing some writing in my time off. And one of the things I was challenged to write was the story of Fellowship Church. And so I began to do some of that. And one of the questions that got asked to me by a friend of mine was, how did y'all come up with and why the name Fellowship Church? And so I decided to, I want to tell you a story about kind of how we got there and, and how I started out uh, when I was in seminary, I was studying and I was preparing to be a church planner, start a church, but I didn't know where I was going or what it would be yet. And so as a seminary class assignment, I was assigned to write a prospectus, um, which is like a proposal for a church plant. And so I just kind of, it was just kind of a little bit more like not at a specific place, but just, and so I was super excited about it and I, I did a great job writing my prospectus and everybody in my class, all my other fellow seminary students who studied the same way I did, thought it was great. And I brought it home and I told, I showed it to Wendy and I was talking about it and I named the church Ecclesia, which is the Greek word for church. And she said, you want to name the church what? Egg what? No, not egg. Ecclesia, you know, and, and she basically said, I'm not going to go to that church. That's the stupidest church name ever, right? And she said, the only people who think that's cool are nerdy seminary students, Kirk. And so, and so we didn't name the church Ecclesia. We ended up at Fellowship Church. Fellowship was a, um, a church that was influential to me, Fellowship of the Metroplex. But the other thing is, um, there's a word uh, that that means we're going to get to here in a little while, koinonia, which is this common bond that God's called us to have. And it's a part of our heart that we want people to experience as church. But this word ecclesia, let me talk to you about what it means. Because every time it's written in scripture, you read church. And what it means is gathering or an assembly. And this isn't like a mob, okay? It's not like just some people who just randomly show up and just make a crowd, all right? This is something which is assembled. It's a gathering or a group of people that have a purpose for, for gathering together. But they gather together. So, I mean, so that's, that's why they chose that word. So um, it, it, that's the word. So every time they would say it or write it, they were saying gathering. And that's how those who understood it and spoke Greek all the time, that's what they were hearing. But it became to us just the word church. But so what is church? It's a gathering. It's, it's actually the gathered with an intention and a purpose. And it's specific. So one of the things we miss also in the writing of scripture and the reading is we read church all the time and people kind of start thinking big church and universal church and all around the world. But, but these are letters written to individual churches, to particular gatherings of people. And so the instructions about church are not just this big idea out there, oh, we're a part of this just idea church. No, it's about being a part of a church. A people that gather, a people that assemble, a people that know each other and are in community with each other. And that's what scripture is talking about in Ecle, when it says ecclesia. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 um, and, and for this sermon. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible um, or if you just don't have one with you but you don't have one, um, you can reach underneath your chair. There's one that looks like this. 
Um, and we would love to give you a Bible. If you don't, if you don't own one, you don't have one, man, we'd love to, to give you one. We want you to study God's word with us, to learn God's word with us. And so you can take that one, but what we'd rather you do, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love for you to go get one after service at the new here circle that's outside in the Connection Center. And here's why. We don't want to just give you a Bible. We want to connect you to some people that you're going to learn it along with not just on your own. And so we'd rather you take a few moments and not just give you the word of God, but also connect you with some people that you can study it together with. So Acts chapter two, if you're looking in this Bible, um, that's on page 911. So let's read together. Acts chapter two, it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. It's an interesting thing about receiving food. They were glad to receive it and they were generous in giving it with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Well, I love that statement. Day by day, every day, somebody was coming to know Christ. Every day, people were coming to know Jesus and being changed for all of eternity by his grace and his love. But there's this word that, that, that kicks this off, and it's this word. And they devoted themselves. They had a devotion to some things. And today, I want us to consider that because what I want you to know about this Acts chapter 2 passage is this is a description of what church looked like as it began. And it's health, the healthiest the church has ever been in all of its history is in this description, right here in this moment. Sometimes it's interesting, people say, well, you know, our church is like the early church. No, it's not. And the reason why it's not is because the church is made up of people and it immediately began to have issues and problems. I mean, the rest of scripture is writing of correction. I mean, they were having to correct all kinds of things in the church, like things I, I couldn't even believe they had to correct. Like in Corinthians, there's this place that says, hey, there's a guy in your church who's sleeping with his dad's wife. You shouldn't allow that. Like, did they really need to be told that they shouldn't be allowing that? Like, why did that have to be corrected, right? There's some things that are prescriptive and there's some prescription. Hey, here's the, the best way to go about doing this. Here's how you do this as a church. Here's how you handle these types of issues. There's some instruction, like here's how you pick leaders. Here's the qualifications that those leaders should have, right? So immediately the church began to need some instruction, some prescription and some correction. But this, Acts chapter two, is a description of the church at its very best. And I believe we should desire it to be its very best. To live out which God created, which God made. I mean, it didn't take us, it didn't take people long to mess it up. People have always been that way. I mean, have you ever realized like at the start of the story of scripture, like Genesis, there was Adam and Eve, then there was Cain and Abel, and like second generation, and one of them killed the other. As far as we can tell, there's four people and we're gonna kill somebody already? Right, it doesn't take us long to mess things up. But God has an intention for the church, and what it requires of us is this word devotion. So uh, I, wanna, I want us to learn the, the word devotion. It's the word proskatero. It means to keep on, to persist in, to serve personally, to persist obstinately. 
I love it when they write definitions that I need to go look up a definition to understand. I love it when they do that. All right? uh, to adhere firmly, to be faithful to, to be earnest towards. Here's the, the description, the definition I want you to learn. Devotion is to give oneself continually and completely to. To give oneself continually and completely to. There's these devotions that should be true of the church. Now, I want you to understand something. If this was the best description, if this is the, the description of the church at its purest, do you know what it means? It means this is a description of a Christian. Because all the church is, is a collection of Christians. And what is true of the church is true of the church collectively because it's true of us individually. You know, one of the things I've said for years is you should never expect the church to be corporately what you do not expect yourself to be individually. So this is the description of the church. It's the collection of the believers. But this is true of the collection of the believers because it's true of the believers. They devoted themselves. Each was devoted to some things that we're going to walk through. So the distinctive of the church is its devotion. That's what makes it different. Just this devotion that they had to the truth, to one another, to the mission that God had given them, to his praise and to prayer. They were devoted. It was distinct. And, and, and these people were deeply devoted. They were desperately devoted. And I do use this word. They were definitively devoted. And here's what I mean by that is they literally were so devoted to these things when Luke wrote down the description of the church, it's how he described them and defined them. They had become defined by these things. We go on further in the book of Acts and we see that, I mean, they so lived this out in a town called Athens that they're called Christians for the first time, which literally means little Christs. So sometimes we want to think about what the church should be. And if we want the church to be this, you know what that should mean for us? Then I should want myself to be this. That I would have these devotions, that I would live this truth out in my life, in community, with other believers. So I want to walk through these devotions. We're going to spend some weeks going ahead, diving further into each one. And the first one is this, is they had a devotion to a common confession. They had this common confession, the truth, the apostles' teachings. And they were devoted to it. They wanted to learn it. Now, I want you to understand how simple this was at that time. So when we think apostles' teaching, we start immediately thinking like, Romans and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, none of that had been written yet. That didn't exist when this was being described. This was literally just the apostles, the followers of Christ, living out the Great Commission, which Jesus has said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. So this is literally just the apostles, just as straightforwardly as they can. Hey, and Jesus said this, and Jesus said that, and Jesus taught this, and Jesus taught that. And, and eventually they would write it down in what is now known as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospels. But at this time, it was just them teaching it. It was being passed down, it was being learned, and it was just pure. But they were devoted to this common confession. They all believed this same truth. Here's the truth that we believe. The common thing is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he was sent by the Father. He lived a sinless life on this earth. He was, he was obedient to his Father unto death, even death on a cross. A death and a cross he did not deserve. 
But we did as sinners whose sin had separated them from a holy God. For the, sin, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he died on a cross and he was raised from the dead so that we who are far from God might be drawn near. That we who are unrighteous might know his righteousness. It's not just that he paid this, the price of our wrong. He gave to us his right. His righteousness and his goodness and his holiness. And he reconciled us to himself. And that's this confession that we have. And I don't know if you believe that. But that, that's what this has been about today. Because we believe this. And I, and I want you to understand something. I could tell you all about the church but if you don't belong to Christ, you'll never belong to the church. Because you first have to belong to Jesus Christ. It's his church. Have you come to that place of belief and confession? We hold that together. We hold that truth. But you know what? We believe more than just that. There's more to learn. And they were devoted to all of the apostles' teachings. It goes further. Like One of the things I, I, I get to do when I'm, when I'm off is I get to go to other churches and see what God's doing and how they're doing things. Cause you know, typically I don't ever get to do that cause I'm, I'm here. Right. And so uh, I was at a church called three circles, um, three circles church. I had met one of their worship leaders while I was doing a, a conference in uh, Alaska this past February. And I was super impressed with this guy. And so I decided to go check out their church. It's like in Fair Hope or Daphne, Alabama. I don't remember. I was in Gulf Shore. I drove to one of those two towns anyway. And, um, had a great time. I really loved the church. I love what they were doing, but the guy was preaching the last sermon in a series on the Apostles' Creed, which just kind of goes through some basic things that, that people believe. It says this, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, who was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, for there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, or, or one church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sinners, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Those are some things that we believe. It's more than just we believe in Jesus. We believe these things to be true. And so there's more that we have to be devoted to. We have to be devoted to learning the truth and growing in it together. You know, you don't have to know all of those things to know Jesus Christ as Lord. Like when I came to know Jesus Christ as Lord, I did not know about the virgin birth because I was young. I didn't know what a virgin was and what would make one one or not. So much less that I understand what they were talking about, right? Like I, I went that far enough in, in, in life, but I knew who Jesus was and I knew what he had done for me. And so we, we hold this common confession. And here's why we need to have an understanding about ecclesia, this gathering, this assembly. Is, I don't know if you have, have realized this, but not every church believes the same thing as every other church. Did you know that? Some of you are like, really? And some of you are like, do any of them believe the same thing? And so... You know, there's differences, and it matters that we have some common confession together as a body, that we can hold each other accountable to truth and how we're going to live it out. It's a healthy and good thing to have this devotion to a common confession. The second thing is a devotion to a common passion. It talks here about the prayer and the praise. And I don't know if you noticed this, they were praising God in the temple. This is really interesting because that did not last long in the life of the church. Um, 
the Christians, after a while, were no longer welcome to worship Jesus Christ in the temple. That's where Jews worshiped, and they disagreed about who Jesus Christ was. And so they kicked him out, like so bad, they kicked him out of the city, like they began to persecute them. And what I love about the early church is they got kicked out of the city, so they just went to other cities and told people about Jesus. That's what they did. But then they were passionate. They, were, they, went from, they got together in their houses, and they worshiped together. You know, that's how we started. We started in our living room, just a few of us, and, and we would have like somebody with a guitar, and, and we would try to sing together. And if you've ever sat in a circle of eight people and I'm one of the voices, it is hard to, to do anything, right? Because I am messing everybody up, right? And so, but man, we, we did that and they went from house to house and they would worship together. They, they were passionate about it. You know, one of the things we say about our church is that, is that we are to look alive. That's one of our core actions. But I want to make sure, I mean, that's talking about having joy and passion and excellence in the things that we do. But here, I want you to do something. It's not to fake a look. It's to live alive and look like it. We are alive in Christ Jesus and it ought to show. Like we're not trying to, it's not for a show. It ought to be evident. You know, one of the jokes I've, I've said for a lot of years here is, you know, some, some of you sometimes need your soul to tell your face that it's saved. You know, we, man, we, we have a Savior who loved us enough that he had nails put in his hands and feet and he hung on a cross till he suffocated in his own blood. And we're alive today because he died that death and he conquered sin and death and a grave. And we have this common passion and the world ought to see it and know it and hear it. But I'm going to tell you this. If the only time you're passionate about the praise of Jesus is when we gather on Sundays, you will be faking it. And he's worthy of praise every day. I mean, if any of you ever want to hear bad singing, come ride with me in the car and we'll just pump up some music, okay? We can do that. Man, he's worthy of praise. This morning I was um, busy with something in the kitchen and um, I was praising with my AirPods on. Just, I was kind of getting after it a little bit in the kitchen all by myself. I thought, Wendy was the only person at home this morning. I thought she was asleep and she snuck up on me. But she didn't actually scare me. She actually intended, tried to not scare me, which in our household, I love scaring people. It's a father responsibility. And and she told me, I could have totally scared you to death. And, and, but I was worshiping away. We should have this common passion. It should be seen and evident. The third thing is a devotion to a common connection. They broke bread. They fellowshiped together from house to house. And by the way, this idea of broke bread is not the idea of communion. A lot of times people think that when they read that. This is the terminology. This is how they would say in Greek that they had a main dish together. Like they had a meal. Not hors d'oeuvres, they broke bread. Like I read this and I think, yeah, the kind of bread you have to break. You know what I'm talking about? Not, not sandwich slices that stick to your teeth. None of that. I'm talking about the kind of bread that's crispy on the outside and soft on the inside. You know what I'm talking about? The kind of bread I can eat way too much of, amen? I will run some miles to eat this kind of bread. And they were devoted 
to doing this together, to being together, to knowing each other, to sitting down and having a meal, not just so they can eat some food, but with glad and generous hearts that they might know one another and they might love one another and they might serve the Lord together. That's what they were, they were devoted to it, to this common connection, to these relationships, to this fellowship. The word is koinonia and, and it, it, means, it means this, it means common to share in, to have common ownership, to have close association. It is what I have always wanted for the people I lead. That's why we've named our church. It's just, and here's why it's always been such a passion for me. I want every person to experience this. And here is why it means so much to me. I grew up experiencing it. I'm so grateful for a family that was faithful and a church that was faithful. And we would get together. We had, my parents had, have amazing friends, not had, have amazing friends who love them and love us. One of those couples lived in Baton Rouge when we moved here and allowed me to be their pastor. And I was like, man, you saw me when I was like uh, four. Like, why would you be, let me be your pastor? But man, we just had this wonderful connection with all these families. And man, my, my parents, I just I was a part of just this fellowship of believers, this close association. People who would spur one another towards good works and would call one another towards righteousness, would eat meals together. There's actually one night, and I don't know why, out of all the nights, like our family would always get together with other families after church, and the adults would drink coffee at way later hours than I am capable of drinking coffee and still get a good night's sleep. But my parents could like just drink a pot of coffee and then go to bed. I don't know how they did that, all right? But I can't do that, all right? So, so we get together, and I don't, one night we had been there, and, and they had done some, some Bible study together. They had prayed together, and then we were just hanging out outside, and we were playing the incredible game Kick the Can. And we're having a lot of fun. If you don't know this, it's kind of like hide and go seek, but you gotta kick some cans, all right? And so, and so we were playing that, and I don't know why this memory sticks in my mind, but I remember that night just kind of looking around, and even as a kid, I kind of just thought, man, this is what church really is. Like these people, who love each other. This summer, I was invited over to a friend's house who had a big group of people from the church and they were all having fun. And he looked at me and he goes, this is what I think about when I think about what church and fellowship is. And I want that for you. But I'm gonna tell you this, it takes devotion to us to experience it. We cannot create those kind of relationships for you. You're gonna have to be devoted to some other people. And learn to love them and allow them to love you. It takes some work to get there. That won't happen the first time you show up to a life group. You know what I mean? Like you're not gonna show up and go, oh, here's all of my best friends. You might go, hey, I think there's one person I could be really good friends with in here. Start there. Gotta be devoted to it. The, the next one is devoted to a common mission. And they were in awe, there were signs and wonders. Um, people were being added to their number every day. People were getting saved every day day. Man, I would love to be a part of that. Just every day. Because they were devoted to this common mission to go and make disciples. You know, we, we have a mission that God has given us, and it's not just to gather, it's to go. They shared in that. And I want you to understand that our common devotion comes from the reality that we, we share in a common salvation. What brings us together is that Jesus Christ is Lord of all of us. No matter where you've come from, no matter your personality, it doesn't matter skin color, ethnicity, job, socioeconomic levels, 
the things that the world divides people by, which neighborhood you live in, what causes us to have all this in common is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he saved my soul and he saved your soul. Has he saved your soul? Have you made this confession that Jesus Christ is Lord? Because the thing that makes all of this common amongst the believers is, is Jesus. We have him in common. And he's brought us together. He's assembled us. He's put us together to be the ecclesia, to be the church. See, the, the church is not just a loose collection. It is the collected. It's not just some random gathering. It is the gathered. It's not just some happenstance assembly. It is the assembled. Tim Keller in uh, the podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, uh, says this about the church. Is, um, a lot of times people want to talk about in the church modern day, they want to talk about being a part of a movement. And he said the church is not just a movement but the church should be moving. He said, but a lot of people also want to talk about the church as an institution, and the church is not an institution, but yet the church has to organize. You know, some people say, I don't like organized religion. What, you like disorganized religion? That's not going to work very good. That's going to get nothing done. So there's this balance all the time between being the, the institution and being a movement. And what I loved what he said was, man, sometimes people just want to go one way or the other and they miss out on the beauty of what God's doing when he assembles together a body of believers where every part has a purpose. They miss out on it. And this, it takes this devotion. So today, I want to help illustrate something real quick. There's this tension that, has, that exists because we're devoted to all of these things, right? We're in love. We want to do these things, but we're devoted to these things. Things. So I have, I have four guys that are going to help me illustrate this real quick. They're going to start heading up here. Um, Brian, he's coming first in the fastest, so I'll call him out first. So, um, Brian is our pastor of missions, and, uh, and so he, he leads us in being, oh, I didn't see you. <laughs> he's faster than you, though. And um, in a long race, in a long race. All right, and um, I don't know why I talked about that. Um, so he's our pastor of missions, and, and, and he's going to create this... Um, Devotion in our church, he's going to be, he is committed to seeing our church go on mission. I mean, he's committed to it. Sometimes I have to hear from him. Hey, Kirk, I don't, I don't, we're not getting, we're not, we're not getting out there enough. We got to go further. Hey, this, God's putting this. And I, we need people in our church who have that gifting, that have that calling, who have that passion, right? And so it creates some tension. The reason why it creates some tension is because uh, Pete's over here and, and Pete represents um, confession and truth. He's our, our student minister and he wants students to learn the truth. And he loves the study of scripture and the learning of the truth. And so we got to do both of these things, right? So there's this tension, right? You don't just, you don't just go on mission, but you don't just sit around and study the confession, right? You don't just study scripture and then don't go do any of it, right? So, but we only have so much resources and so much time. So there's this tension because you want to do both of these things. And then there's Jonathan who, who leads us in worship and, and he leads us in just having this passion for the Lord and for his worship, for his praise. And so there's this tension because, man, we need to make sure that that's better, that that's growing, that that's good. But you know what? We also need to be doing this, right? So, and then, oof, that's starting to get tight. And Make it work. the big strap. And, and then we have a connection and community. And man, Joe's passionate about that. And so there's all these things. We have to be committed to all of these. So it creates some tension. 
You can't just run in the direction of mission and leave behind the confession that Jesus is Christ and the truth about him. You gotta figure it out. And I think the problem with the church too often today is people wanna get rid of the tension and they just wanna do one thing. And God's called us to have all of these devotions. He's telling us, well, you know what's healthy is when you embrace this tension and you give resources and time to that mission and to that passion and to that confession and to that connection. You do it all. And you know what makes healthy leaders? Man, I, I am so grateful for the leaders in this church. Today more than I've ever been. And the reason why they can lead is because Brian's not just connected, passionate, and devoted to mission. He's very devoted to connection. He cares about his group. It's important to him. He's going to invest in it. Pete's not just committed and devoted to the to the confession of truth. He's very committed and devoted to passion. He wants to see people worship the Lord. He loves to worship the Lord. He loves to see students worship the Lord. Jonathan's not just devoted to passion and people worshiping the Lord and praising the Lord. He is very committed to connection and he loves leading groups. He loves investing in the discipling in people. And Joe's not just devoted to connection. He's devoted to whichever one I haven't said yet. Yep. <laughs> oh, miss it. <laughs> Yeah, I totally forgot. And so, but what, what happens in a healthy church is this tension. But it has to be true of all of us or it'll be true of none of us. If this is gonna be true of us collectively, it has to be true of us individually. You have to live with this tension and you've gotta devote yourself to all of these things because this is what healthy church and healthy Christianity looks like. This tension and this devotion. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Y'all uh, give them a hand. As I conclude today, I challenge you with that tension and, and living this out. I want to share just a story, um, something from being off. So when I'm off, like I, I said, I, I go visit other churches. I go meet with other pastors and other leaders, and I try to learn as much as I can. And if you know anything about my personality, I'm always trying to see, like, what needs to be fixed, what, what needs to be better. Like, and so I started off on that, and I started going and meeting with people. And the more I went to other churches and the more I met with other pastors, and I'm talking about pastors of churches that are doing great things, you know what God just began to reveal to me about a month in? how healthy this church is. And I just became overwhelmingly grateful for you. Like it was, it was a cool thing. Like there's some things that we can tweak and do better. That's always gonna be true. But this is what God kind of showed me. There's nothing missing. It was incredibly humbling, actually. Like we're gonna grow, we're gonna do better at some things. But, and I'm just so grateful for you. And then towards the end of the sabbatical, I got to take Wendy and our two daughters, Melanie and Kara, to South Africa. And uh, here's a picture of us uh, at the place we've been. And uh, back behind us is a new church building in Dizenza that you've built. Yeah. And, um, this is us at the ribbon cutting at the opening. We got to be there for it. And then this will be the inside. I want to show you. This is what it looked like inside that day. 500 people showed up. It was awesome. 
and they fed them all. And you paid for that. You paid for that. You, uh, you blessed them with that. And um, one of the most humbling days of my life. Two days before us, two days before we were supposed to sign on the loan to build our first building, we were told we were short a certain amount of money. It was a large sum of money. And so I was really discouraged. And someone heard about it, an individual who's not a part of this church. And they gave us that amount of money. It's basically the exact amount of money that it costs to build this church in Dazenza. And I was sitting in that church with those people. And I don't know how to put this. I don't want to come across wrong. I just, I just was super humbled by it. And I guess what I would say to the Lord is, Lord, I don't know why you've allowed me and us to do so much. But thank you. And I just want to encourage you today. Thank you for your devotion. Nine years ago, oh, there's a no, next picture. Nine years ago, I was there. We prayed under that tree right there that there would be a church there one day. There's one more picture. We gathered around this rock, which was on the next piece of property. We didn't own that piece of property yet. And they moved it when they were building the church so it could sit right there, because we circled around that rock and we prayed at that rock that one day there would be a church in Dizenza where there has never been a church. Like I'm, it's one of the most humbling things to me is our church has started a church where there's never been church. Like, I might have started a church here, but Christianity and a church has existed in Prairieville before I got here. There's never been a church in Dazenza, South Africa, but because Fellowship Church has been faithful to God in Prairieville, there is one now. And so, part of what I want to say today is just thank you. Thank you for being a healthy church for pushing us and charging the gates of hell with us and living it out. It is a privilege to be your pastor. And I am so excited about what God has ahead because we're going to live out these devotions. We're going to learn more about them because God's just getting started. He's got so much more that he will do. And so today... As we conclude, um, we're going to just give you an opportunity to respond today. Maybe you're here and you've heard about this common confession we have that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you would say, I've never confessed that. Maybe you're struggling with whether you believe it today. We'd love to have a conversation with you. So our praise team is about to lead us in a worship song, and while we're worshiping, while we're singing, myself and some other leaders will be up here. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you right now. So I'm going to ask you to stand as they come out. And let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this day. And I thank you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the maker of the heavens and the earth. That your name is the name that is above every name. That at your name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. That your name is the only name under heaven by which we might be saved. And we thank you, Jesus for loving us so much that you gave your life for us. Father God, I pray right now that you would draw people to yourself. If there's anybody in this place that does not know 
the hope and salvation that's found in Christ. I pray that this would be the moment that you would change their eternity. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing